Point one, new life. Those of you uh, who have your Bibles, I am going to do quite a few little short references in, in this preach. So uh, if you feel that you want to take up the challenge of keeping up with me, no worries. Otherwise, uh, just trust that I have actually got the scriptures in front of me. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. See, the Bible often talks about new life in terms of being born again or being a new creation. And that is beautiful language. What does it mean? What does that look like? Well, one of the things it means is a new start. A new life means we get a clean slate, a chance to start over. And you might say to me, but why do we need a clean state? Why do we need to, why do we need to start over? Because of sin. Ultimately, sin, if you don't know, is our rejection of God and his rightful place at the center, the very center of our lives. But that rejection leads to all kinds of things in our lives that we become ashamed of, right? Bad decisions, damaging life choices, times when we've hurt or been hurt by others, times when we've caused pain and suffering either to ourselves or to others. That is all sin. And it, and it sticks to us and clings to us. It's like luggage that we carry through life and it, it weighs us down and it holds us back and it gets in the way. And it separates us, therefore, from God. And ultimately, without new life, the truth that the Bible tells us is that our sin luggage that weighs us down ultimately drags us towards hell. But thank God, through Jesus, we have new life. We have a new start. Colossians 2.12 says, For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. So when we become a Christian and we go under the water during our baptism, it's like we've died and we've been buried with Jesus. And when we come up out of the water, all our sin is washed off of us as God raises us up to this new life, free from the burden and the weight of that sin luggage, which stays dead, buried, and dealt with because of Jesus. Amen? And that means the sin in our, in our past no longer has any attachment to us, no longer has any control over us, and no longer has any claim on us. In Jesus... Our old lives are dead and buried and we've become a new person. We get a new start. We get a new life. Another thing a new life means is we get a new heart and mind. Instead of a heart that only desires what's best for me and a mind that pulls me away from God and back towards my sin, 
God gives us a new heart and a new mind with new desires, new passions and new patterns of thinking. Ezekiel 36, 26, God says to his people, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I love this bit. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. That's happened to me. I had a stony, stubborn heart and God has changed that for a tender, responsive heart. And it's this change of heart that enables us to desire the best for others first, to want to love unconditionally, just like Jesus loves us. And it's our new mind that longs to be more like Jesus, right? Wants to set our sights on the things of heaven, not on the things of earth. And it's our new mind that strives to put to death the sinful things still lurking in us. And God does this by writing his law on our hearts and our minds so that we are convinced and convicted of what is good and right and holy in our thoughts, our words, and our actions. Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The implication is, at one time, your mind and my mind were only able to desire and engage with the things of the world. But now God has given us a new mind. We are in control of it. So now we are able to set our minds on heavenly things, to consider heavenly things. And we can allow those things to shape and influence and guide us. And this is one of the key ways that God brings breakthrough in our lives. One of the key ways that he brings transformation and freedom from damaging, destructive, or unhealthy patterns of thought and behavior. He's able to do that because he has placed in us a new mind. Another aspect of new life is a new helper. Because even though we have a new start... We have a desire to live differently now. And because of our new mind, we have an ability to consider the things of God. On our own, we're still powerless to bring about permanent change in our lives. John 14, 26, Jesus says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you remembrance all that I have said to you. Thank God then that we're not on our own. As part of our new life in Jesus, we have a new helper, the Holy Spirit, who comes and lives in us when we become a Christian. He is God in us, and it's through his power and work in us that we're able, we're actually able to outwork the things that our new heart and minds long for. It's through the Holy Spirit in us that we're actually able to see the change in our life that God has put a desire for in us. 
It's the Holy Spirit's work in us, transforming us day by day to be more like Jesus as he shapes and molds our character that enables him to produce in us his fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That is the work of the Holy Spirit in us. And it's the Holy Spirit that brings and releases new spiritual gifts in us for the benefit of the church. He is the one who enables that to happen. He is the one who equips us in that way. So brothers and sisters, as a church family, all this means we should be marked out as a community who are fantastic at giving people new starts. Amen? The thing is, this is part of that hope that we have to offer those outside of God's kingdom. New life in Jesus means a clean slate and a chance to start over. What a beautiful and attractive and hopeful thing that is to the people who are outside of God's family right now. It also means we should continue to shape and sharpen our new hearts and minds by intentionally considering heavenly things. And we should allow God to pour out his transforming love in us, through us, and out into our communities. And we can rejoice that as Christ followers, we have God in us, empowering, equipping, and leading us into all truth, ready for every good work, confident and secure in the love of God through the presence of his Holy Spirit in us. So that was new life. Let's talk about abundant life. So although finding life in Jesus starts with new life, it doesn't end there. Because Jesus promises more. In John 10.10, he says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. See, Jesus' promise is not only new life, but abundant life, life to the full. Now, you may have heard, and I certainly have heard, that particular verse twisted to mean Christ followers should expect everything from Ferraris to bungee jumping on a daily basis. And whilst I'm down with that, that would be great. That is not what that passage is teaching. That is not the truth of the Christian walk with God or abundance of life in him. In the context of that passage, Jesus is referring to his followers as his sheep. And he says, through him, they will come in and go out and find pasture. And Jesus refers to himself as the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Good pasture for sheep means sustenance or provision. And so as God's sheep, that means it's to God that we look for the fullness of our provision. Along the same lines, King David summed up the abundance of life in Jesus in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. 
I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. For David and by extension for us, abundant life in Jesus is not about possessions. It's not about experiences. It's about the fullness, the richness, the depth and the security of a relationship with God through Jesus and the blessings of his abundant provision. It means we can enjoy both God's shelter and his sustenance, his guarding and his guidance, his rest and his restoration, his comfort and his companionship. And we can enjoy the fullness of his protection and his provision. All these things are an abundant life. As David says in the psalm, abundant life is not a guarantee of no troubles in this life. But it is a promise of God's presence when we face them. Brothers and sisters, again, this is what is attractive about our faith. When we live lives in the abundance of life Jesus has for us, we can be content with much or with little. We can be secure in the calm or in the storm. We can enjoy mercy in the midst of peril or pain because of the abundance of God. And it's out of the abundance of life in Jesus that our lives then become a witness to the faithfulness of the good shepherd. Okay. Eternal life then. So Titus 3, 4 to 7 says, When God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior. Because of his grace, he made us right in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. In case you didn't see where I was going with this, in Jesus we don't just have new life, we have abundant new life. And our new abundant life isn't just temporary, it's eternal. Just think about that for a minute. We've got this new start. We've got this clean slate. We've got a full, rich, deep and secure personal relationship with God. And we get to enjoy it for eternity. 
And that's not eternity in the status quo or the world the way it is now. That means eternity in the new heavens and the new earth. Where the kingdom of God has been outworked in all of its fullness and God dwells amongst his people. This is the future that Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 65, 17 to 19. God says, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. And the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. And I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. No more shall be heard in it the sound of weeping and the cry of distress. Brothers and sisters, we can rejoice with hearts bursting with gladness because this isn't just our hope. This is our reality. We have new, abundant, eternal life in Christ and it starts now. God has called us to be a people that enjoy him forever. I just That's amazing to me. Not just for as long as I live. Not just for as long as it seems convenient. I get to enjoy God for eternity. What a privilege. And church, that changes things, doesn't it? It changes our perspective. Our priorities. It changes our attitudes and our expectations of God. Surely it means we can surrender our ambitions, our hopes, our dreams, and our plans to God. Because we know that the here and now is not all there is. We can loosen our grip on the direction and details of our lives and hand the reins over to God. Because we know that we have an eternal destiny to discover in him. And the best part is we can be confident as we've read in scripture, we can be confident of eternal life because the God who promised it to us is the same God who's already given us this new life and a relationship with him here and now. And the presence of his Holy Spirit in us, scripture tells us, is like a guarantee of that eternal life. And that means we do not need to fear death. And I don't say that lightly. Because death is not the end. It's not even the beginning. It's a transition. It's a continuation of this new life that we've already received from God. Do you see how that works? New, abundant, eternal life that we have received now. Our bodies may die, but we know that like Lazarus, like Jesus, our destiny is to be raised to life. The Bible says that our bodies are like seeds that need to be planted or buried in order that they might come to life again. Like a sapling bursting through the soil and drinking in the light. Speaking of our death and resurrection, in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, I love this, what is sown, i.e., what is our bodies now, what is sown 
is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, but it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. What a glorious, eternal hope we have in Jesus, which releases us and frees us, therefore, with the Apostle Paul, to say, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Friends, this is good news, isn't it? We've seen that New Life Community Church is made up of people who found new, abundant, eternal life in Jesus. But I particularly want to address anyone who's hearing these words and doesn't know Jesus. And then I want to tell you the very best news. That news is you can find Jesus too. You can find new life in Jesus too. Remember that sin we talked about right at the start that holds you back and drags you down. You're carrying that luggage too. You know in your heart that you've rejected God and that maybe he hasn't been the center of your life. You know you've hurt others and hurt yourself. You know you've made bad decisions and and life choices. In fact, you know what you're ashamed of. But I'm here to tell you that God knows all of that stuff too. It's not hidden from him. But he loves you in spite of it. In fact, God loves you so much he died for you. The Bible tells us Jesus physically took the punishment that your sin deserves by dying on the cross. And in doing so, he made a way for you to have this new life, this new start, a new heart, a new mind, and a new helper in the Holy Spirit. In doing so, he is able to give you abundant life, a full, a rich, deep, and secure relationship with God. Because as the good shepherd, he laid down his life for you, his sheep. And he's offering you this eternal life, which means a new perspective, a new freedom, and a new future. Do you want to find life in Jesus? And the Bible says you need to confess, admit to God that you're in the wrong. The Bible says you need to repent. That means... Stop going away from God, turn around and come back to him. The Bible says you need to believe. You need to open your heart and accept that what he's saying to you is the truth. And the Bible says you need to declare that Jesus is Lord. And that means that he is the highest authority in your life. If you're here this morning or if you're hearing a recording of these words then the next thing you need to do is tell somebody. If you're here this morning, tell the person next to you, tell the person you came with, tell me or Paul or Aaron or Lou or anyone here. We would love, we would love to pray with you and over you. We would love for you to receive new life in Jesus, the life 
that he died to give you. If I can have the worship team up, if that's okay. Here's how I'd like us to respond this morning to what I've said. First and foremostly, I would love us to worship God with thankful hearts for this new, abundant, eternal life that we have received through the blood of Jesus. For most of us, this is not new knowledge, but my hope and my heart is that we've been stirred this morning to worship him once again as we consider the things of heaven. But I felt like maybe there was a couple of other groups of people here. I felt like maybe there were people here who, even though they'd given their lives to Christ, consider themselves Christ followers. Maybe you've got to a point in your life and you think, I have used up my new start. I've received the new life of Jesus. I've had my new start and now I've messed up. I've got it wrong. I'm done. There's no more chances. I can't crucify Christ again. can't have another new life can't have another new start and I want to say to you that God says that's not true it is true you can't crucify Christ again but you can have a new start and how you do that is by coming to him and saying I am sorry yes I have messed up I have walked away I'm now going to repent and I'm going to turn around and come back to you that's not a, that's not a condemnation moment It's not a judgment moment. You already know the conviction in your heart. You don't have to feel condemned about that. That is a hope moment for some of you, maybe. You're not done. God's not done with you. You can come back. You can have a new start. It's not just one new start with God. When you come back and repent and say you're sorry and receive his forgiveness, you go again. You get a new start and a clean slate once more. That's how God works. That's how generous, that's how abundant, that's how beautiful his love is for us. So if you're here this morning and that's you and you think, yeah, I need a new start. Why don't you pray out to your heavenly father, ask him for his forgiveness and receive that into your heart. Let someone else know, we all want to pray with you, we love you. Let's do that together. I thought maybe there might be people here as well who have, even as I'm speaking, you've put your energy into wrong things, thinking this is what it means to be living an abundant life in Jesus. You've put your priority on experiences, maybe possessions, whatever, something other than Christ, because you think I need to show what it looks like to be in the kingdom and it must look like this. I think there's also a moment to come before God and repent of that. Once again, it's not condemnation. It is conviction. The Holy Spirit whispering in your heart and saying, that's not good. Let's deal with it. Let's get that sorted. So again, if that's you, let's pray about that. You can find anyone in this room, I am certain, would love to pray with you about that. There is no shame in these things. There is only the hope offered by Christ Jesus and his sufficient Father, I want to thank you for the journey you've taken me on again, preparing this message. 
Thank you for stirring in my heart a remembrance that I have new life, I have abundant life, and I have eternal life in you. There's such a joy in my heart, Lord. And I pray for my brothers and sisters, Lord, that you would stir them this morning. Give them that security in their hearts. Give them a renewed sense of joy and love for you as they consider these heavenly things. Thank you, God, that you loved us so much that you sent your son to purchase this reality for us. And I pray, Lord, for anyone here who is feeling that they either need a new start but don't think they're going to get one or that has put other things as their priority instead of you. I want to pray, God, you break those things over them now. I want to pray for such a release as they have never known, God. I pray that as they come to you, they would receive the fullness of your forgiveness and your abundance for them. I pray that in the name of Jesus.